right, everyone. Episode 16 of Beers, Business, and Balls. Today is Monday, August 3rd. It is a great day to be alive in 2020. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo, happy to present to you episode 16, of course, brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app to get started or go to anchor.fm today to start your podcast. Will, this will be a cool episode. We've got the CEO or founder, if you will, of Freezing Cold Takes, which is very exciting. Um, a great interview. We're happy to present it for you guys, of course. And um, again, we're just coming out with fire guests left and right. It's what we do. Yeah, no, it was a great interview with uh, Fred. Uh, that was a Twitter account that I've been following for years. And when we reached out to him, he, and he said, yes, I was absolutely ecstatic. I mean, it was just one of those funny accounts just seeing like all over social media when you like a hot take comes out and people would just be tagging old takes exposed, freezing cold takes. Like, yeah. and then five years later or four years later, or even like next week, you see him just being like, yep, expose your ass. Um, I'll tell you what, the old takes exposed ones are great too, actually. Yeah. Those are, I feel like there's so much dumb shit on Twitter and the fact that he's able to monetize it, number one, but number two, get such a, like a wide variety of these shitty, awful takes is just incredible. So uh, we hope you enjoy that interview because we were excited to do it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean... We are now, it ain't even August, but it is. <laughs> it is. The summer is flying by. I don't get it. It's August already. What? Where the hell did July go? We blinked and I mean, we could say that about the past four months, honestly. But yeah, here we are. It's July, or excuse me, it's August. July's over. I'm like, wow, July, even the fact that it was July, that'd be absolutely nuts. But um, we'll keep it nice and simple before we hop into our interview with freezing cold takes uh let's lead it as we do every episode with a cheers will the floor is yours we are cheersing for the month of august it is towards the end of the summer i mean it's a hot one but now's the time to enjoy that warm weather before we enter into fall is covid coming back that might be an old take exposed we don't know uh <laughs> definitely a hot take right now but we'll just cheers to good company and good health and I am drinking a beer, a double IPA, getting a little fancy out here, trying to 9%. And it's called, It's Complicated Being a Wizard from Burlington Beer Company out in Vermont. And it is a nice, smooth, hazy New England IPA. Uh, like I said, it's 9%. It is brewed with, it's got Galaxy. That's all I see on the can right now, but great beer. Uh, definitely on the heavier side, so it's one of those that I wouldn't be drinking in the sun all day, but it's smooth, it's juicy, it's got great flavor. I'm giving it a 425. Ooh. It's complicated being, holy shit, that looks really hazy. Yeah. Wow. She, 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 she thick. She's in our Rhode Island Beer Festival, I think that's the event, but that, that's, that's one of the nicest cups we own. Uh, that and the Newport craft beer races, like little mason jar kind of looking things. It, it, that's incredible. It just adds on to the beer. It's like, yeah, I'm drinking like a fucking professional here, right? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. But 
As for me, a beer that I had this week that I got a weird amount of shit about after I posted a uh, my summer six-pack of craft beer selections, I can't believe you guys don't like Camp Wanamango. I really can't. Camp Wanamango. Yeah, I know you do. It's not you that we're out here to impress, though. We've got the viewers to impress and the listeners, right? I got a weird amount of hate. I, I think Camp Wanamango is a great beer. Uh, Harpoon. Coming at around 4 or 5%, no higher than that. It's a mango beer, but it's not really like a ton of fruit. It just tastes like mango. So shame on you guys for not enjoying it. I think my untapped rating on it in the summertime right now when I drank it a couple days ago, 375. Easy. Beautiful, cold, refreshing beer. Oh, my God. It's a nice summer beer that you don't really think about. You know, you think about the, the lagers and the IPAs, like the stuff that – you just uh, reviewed, right? And I don't know. There's a special place in my heart for fruit beer, for sure. Exactly. I mean, now's the time to have the fruit beers in the summer and kind of towards the beginning of fall. Um, I enjoy Camp Wana Mango. I, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a real slut for mango, as people would say. <laughs> so I, I enjoy it a lot. But we usually, you know, just talk about our beer review and what's going on. But we have a lot of beer news in general to talk about before we get into business. Um, as Jake mentioned, he wrote his blog about a summer six pack after I wrote one. But we have a new <laughs> writer on the show with us, uh, guest in episode, was it 11? I think, I think it was, it was 11. 11. Yeah, it was 11. You're right. Uh, Ryan Denson from up in Boston. He's the Boston beer guy and he signed on to join our platform and he will be providing beer reviews um, on pretty much like a weekly basis. I mean, he's pushing out content and he's excited. He's going to have Frosty Boy Fridays, which he's going to be giving up a motivational speech for the weekend, um, plus reviewing another craft beer selection. And then on Sundays, he's going to have his uh, Sunday vaults where he's just talking about different beers he's had, but very similar to taste with us with the beers. Um, he definitely knows his stuff and we're excited to have him. So check out his content. Uh, like we mentioned at Boston underscore beers, and he'll be writing on the blog as well. And then on our own personal note, we're pushing a lot of content and beers with the uh, house brewing company. We just bottled our, German alt beer called Control Alt Delete. Hell yeah, we we are just about to bottle up our lemon lime seltzer, uh, white clone, a white claw clone. <laughs> Wait, hold Smart up. Egg. Since when is this lemon too? <laughs> Do you know something lime? I don't? Is it just lime? It's lime. It's like are shape. you adding lemon? <laughs> we could. <laughs> We're going to add a little lemon too before we bottle. <laughs> a little lemon and zest or some shit. We have an IPA that we're brewing, OG Kush, called... Am I doing it? No, you're doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, what's up with this drum roll um, here? We have a lot of great, a lot of great beer coming out. Again, if you want us to ship it to you, we will. Uh, but keep an eye out on social media stuff coming out from our personal side as well. Yeah, it's probably illegal for us to ship it to you, but we'd be willing to break the law for you wonderful listeners. We would. I would do it. I take I the it. civil fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, happy to have Ryan on board. Make sure you tune into Frosty Boy Fridays each Friday. Um, it's a great point. He's going to be a great asset to us, right? We knew that from the start when we were talking to him. I mean, the, the guy loves beer more than we do, which is honestly quite impressive. But 
Um, we're happy to have Ryan on board for his first Frosty Boy Fridays. I mean, come on, that was electric. He did shock in a Bud Light to start, which I, I'm gonna have a private word with him, if you will. We no Bud Light shit, right? <laughs> it was a good warm up though. I, I liked it a lot. I will, I will be surprised if he shotguns. If he shotguns a craft tall boy, my goodness, like that is going to be like good for him yeah. to do the Bud Light. I mean, I'm all for it, but the the tall boys of a double IPA, I would be worried. I'd be worried just for his mental sanity. And Ryan, I know yeah. you're going to be listening to this, obviously. So this is your warning right now. You can opt out now if you're going down a dark path. It just <laughs> it's better to be at the bottom of a ladder that you want to climb than halfway in to one that you don't just be careful be careful ryan because we're uh, our our listeners and our viewers are gonna expect that so watch out brother <laughs> be careful um yeah exactly. serious note uh, fr- the, his first frosty boy fridays was great uh he's gonna be doing a lot of beer review are you a, a guest on one of them i think the upcoming one this week i'll be a guest we're, we're hammering out the details on which beer i'm gonna review um, but I'm excited to be on and check out that on Friday. And also another writer that we do have, our good friend Chris Hanold. He's oh, yeah. providing the hockey content every Monday. Um, also going to be talking about some baseball, which we'll talk about later on in the show for balls. But let's transition over to business because a couple quick points before we head into our interview with Freezing Cold Takes. I guess I'll start it off with uh, – Go for it. Who's on the hot seat? TikTok. Well, yeah, we and we covered that in episode 15, too. Um, I think they're all blending together now. I think it was 15, but um, TikTok, we know what the deal is with them. Security issues, we don't know where the data is going. We're not going to repeat that whole thing. But then, now the White House gets involved. So Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, was like, yeah, we're going to possibly ban them. We're still looking into it because we don't know how your data is being used. And then all of a sudden... Trump just goes, yes, we're getting rid of TikTok. And now we're going to have a lot of displaced high schoolers that, you know, we're making a couple bucks to go spend at the ice cream store to come back to Instagram for 52 likes. So this is going to be interesting, folks. Get on TikTok while you can if you're okay with the uh, Chinese government stealing your data, I guess. But White House said it. White House said that this is going to be a done deal pretty shortly. I don't know when but it's going to be soon according to the white house. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see because Microsoft obviously came into conversation being like, they'll purchase the U S operations of TikTok, Right. And go to ironically enough, TikTok, but it's also on his Instagram. Uh, Admani underscore explains. He was a guest of ours a few weeks back. Uh, Zaid Admani, he gave a good breakdown as he always does with different business news and pop culture news on the conversation that's pretty much took place on like why TikTok is on the hot seat and wanting to be banned and why Microsoft is going to purchase it. So essentially to break it down a little bit closer, obviously we mentioned the TikTok and like the organization in China that owns it is most likely stealing data. I mean, that's a no brainer, but Microsoft obviously wants to buy that because it is such a popular brand with big names being attached to it, but they don't want to fall to Facebook anymore. I mean, the big, the big players in tech in the U S it's Apple, 
It's Microsoft, it's Google, and it's Facebook. And think about and the Facebook. only one that doesn't, as Zaid said, like there's only one of them that really doesn't have any skin in the game social media wise, and it's Microsoft. So they have LinkedIn and it's not right. even social media. It's more like that's like the professional network for businessing. And that has its problems on its own, like like he mentioned. But Microsoft, I mean, this will be obviously a big move if they can acquire that. Um, and that's why we want to have them as our stock of the week. They're currently trading at $205. Um, analysts say 90% of them say buy now. I think if that deal goes through, it'll skyrocket. I think so too. And I, I'm more worried, to be honest with you, about the downside. Like I, I see how this is stock of the week material for sure, but the downside could be ugly. It could be falsely inflated, you know, get up 230, 240, and then uh, Microsoft goes, no, we're not doing it. And then it could crash right back down. So, um, risky one i would say but the the dividends or i mean speaking in a figurative sense what you would yield off of it if that acquisition goes through is very high i think now people are just starting to understand what the actual like if it's going to happen or not right so we're we're going to learn microsoft's deal in the next probably days right we're going to know for sure like hey they're in or they're staying away but, and it'll be interesting to also look at Facebook's stock as well. So they were on yeah. a very controversial uh, part of controversial news the past couple months just regarding their position with politics and censorship and data stealing as well. And obviously, uh, earlier this year and last year, Mark Zuckerberg tested, um, was testifying uh, in front of Senate about different uh, data stealing and privacy information so but there's also talks that because tiktok could be banned that they're going to make a quote-unquote competitive app for it like a tiktok clone you can say right. they'll make their own app as they did with instagram and i mean anything facebook touches turns to gold and if they can create the platform and they have the software it might be the next big thing too so that's something to keep an eye on as well yeah. Or they just make a into Instagram. Who knows? I don't know the actual specifics, but if TikTok falls, they're going to pounce on that opportunity to be the number one. Oh yeah, for sure. So Microsoft, keep your eyes on it. If you buy it and you have a good week, tell us about it. We want to hear what you bought of that, what you're making off of it, and if you're going to sell. Keep that in the back pocket. Um, this isn't really business, but we don't know where to put this. Uh, we talk about Tesla a lot. We talk about Elon Musk quite a bit. We're Elon Musk stands, I guess, right? So um, SpaceX, Doug Hurley and Bob Behnken, the astronauts that went to uh, the ISS aboard a SpaceX piece of hardware, they're back. They landed safely in the Gulf of Mexico. Guess they're doing well. Uh, they were in a two-month mission on the ISS to help them out with some projects. And basically, I mean, the whole reason why they went up there is to prove that a piece of SpaceX hardware and not NASA can get up to the, the, you know, into orbit and back. And they did it. So <laughs> who's signing up for Mars? That's the real question. <laughs> Definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, I love the whole space exploration. I honestly think that's a very cool topic that I wish I had more knowledge about. Um, that's just like way above my head and my, you know, academic ability. For I mean, say, it's not too late for us to be astronauts. We it can go back it to is not. <laughs> it would be wicked cool. But 
Now, if I that think... being said, would you go – if someone was like, yeah, you're going for two months to the ISS, I don't think I could do it. Dude, two months is – like, that's an easy trip. I know. That's the thing because you have Chris Cassidy who's been up there for, like, a year now. And yeah, I still like, don't – like, cannot, that creeps me out. I don't know. I could not be in space for, you know, these months on months on months on years on years on years. Uh, two months, I feel like, is a nice little – Hey, COVID's going on. I'm going to dip out for two months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the, the best time to go to space for sure with the world falling apart and, you know, they've got families back home and stuff, but still, I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to get into like a rhythm when there's no gravity. Number one, you can't shower. Number two, like I, maybe I just don't physically understand it yet. But I don't think my body would do well in that. I really, really don't. I think I'd just collapse and crumble. <laughs> no, uh, exactly. All right, and before we hop into our interview with Fred Siegel from Freezing Cold Takes, let's go over some quick points for balls. Opt-outs have been a big thing this year in pretty much every sport. You know, players are exercising their right to opt-out due to health concerns from COVID, for being with their families, whatever it is. And here's an interesting one for the New York Mets. Yoannis Cespedes, the famed slugger, uh, he used to be a slugger, that is, for Detroit, Oakland, the Red Sox, and the Mets for a bit, ridden by injuries his entire career on the Mets, and he comes back this year. Universal DH rules really helping the Mets out because they can have Cespedes play for a bit, rest him so that he doesn't have to play the fields and just let him focus on hitting, which is all he really needs to be concerned about at this point in his career. But Sunday, Mets have a game. He doesn't show up. He doesn't show up for the pregame. He doesn't show up, you know, for BP to throw the ball around or anything. He just does not show. So they have to take him out of the lineup. They have no idea where he is. None of the teammates could reach him. None of the management could reach him. So at that point, they're like, holy shit. What's up with this guy? Or should we be worried about his safety? So after the game, I guess he decided to opt out sometime on Sunday afternoon and just straight up did not tell the team until after the game was over. So I'm no expert and I'm no Mets fan, uh, but LOL Mets, the hashtag back in full swing. And this is just another agonizing moment for the New York Mets. It's, it's almost two Mets. It hurts. Literally, I mean, this was going to be a year that we could see Cespedes put up the numbers like he did back in Detroit and Oakland and the Sox. And, I mean, again, you can't be mad for a guy opting out during all of this shit, especially with all of the heightened things that are happening in the MLB with COVID. But it's just LOL Mets. It really is. Yeah, and, I mean, the Mets, it was, it's almost just too funny. They were, I was watching a game. They were up 10-8. And at one point, actually, I think they were up 10-4. Uh, they got a bad call with Seth Lugo on the mound, and the ump called to pitch a ball. Probably should have been strike three, but right after that, you can't make this shit up. It's the bottom of the eighth inning, two outs, and the Braves hit a three-run double after that to take the lead. And the door shut for the Mets. They were up 10-4, and they lose 11-10 to the Atlanta Braves. I mean, and it's not just one of these things. They have squeezed – the New York Mets have squeezed a full season worth of agony into like two weeks. So good for them. They're holding up their end of the bargain, but that sucks. I want the Mets to be good so bad because 
a 2000 rivalry would be sick, but that, that shit ain't going to happen anytime soon. That ship has sailed. Oh yeah. So, and in relation to the guys opting out real quick, before I move into the interview, talk about the Patriots. Uh, that is, I think to my knowledge, the team uh, in the NFL with the most opt outs out of, as of this point, the opt-out deadline has been moved up to this Wednesday because the NFL is trying to get a gauge on if they can have the season or not. Um, that's going to piss a lot of people off, and it's probably going to make a lot more opt-out. But the Patriots have eight guys now, uh, and these are no slouch of eight guys. You've got people like Dante Hightower, um, Patrick Chung. You just heard today Sony Michelle's going to be sitting out the uh, for at least eight weeks. He's on the pup list along with Mo Sanu. Um, this, this is not good. This is not good. And again, I understand that people have, you know, they, they don't want to play football right now. It's not top of mind, but I'm coming at it from the angle of the people that say the Patriots are going to be good this year and they'll be okay. This is not good. This is not good with camp Newton's weapons decreasing and now a rather leaky defense as it was before you take those guys out that were the staples like Hightower and Chung and possibly the McCordy's after Wednesday. This is not good news for the Pats. And I don't think they're done yet. I mean, you have a guy like, uh, who's the center, David Andrews, who just was yeah. injured with heart clots, with blood clots in his heart. Yeah, I he mean, had a blood clot and sat out. You know, there's no way that he's going to play. And I do feel bad because I wanted to see, although I, I'm not a Patriots fan whatsoever, I did want to see Cam Newton at least thrive in the system. But those are big names that you're going to have these young rookies like uh, Duggar, who they drafted in the second round, now having right. to play probably linebacker, even though he's a safety. Right. It's going to be really interesting to see what Bill Belichick has in mind. Um, you know, ironically enough, how we're talking about freezing cold takes, and we're interviewing him, rather, there was a freezing cold take saying that, like, Belichick is just, like, pretty much telling these guys to all opt out so they can tank for Trevor Lawrence. And this is just all a spew. So it'll be interesting to see. But there's like, not only with the Patriots, but around the league, there's a lot of big names opting out. You have Chiefs running back Damian Williams, who is, you know, yeah, the playoff, playoff hero for the team. You have CJ yep. Mosley, the linebacker for the Jets. Eddie Goldman's the defensive tackle for the Bears. Nate Solders, an offensive tackle for the Giants. And Devin Funches, yeah. who is probably one of the top receivers on that Packers uh, team I mean those are some big big names opting out and we're, and you know the week hasn't even ended yet I know and the, 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 that's gonna piss a lot of people off with that deadline moving up to the Devin McCourty was flipping out on Twitter which I get you know you can't throw the deadline on him like hey you in or out um this isn't over and it's gonna suck to see the Patriots I hope they throw a competitive team on the field at the end of the day for however many games if there's any but um this is going to be interesting, folks. It's not over. This is far from over. So keep your eyes on the Pats. Uh, keep your eyes on our poor Mets. And let's pray that we finish some seasons. That's really all we can do at this point. NBA appears to be doing well. No coronavirus uh, new cases in the last few weeks. So it's good. They prove that they can get the job done. Um, baseball seems to be... Not stable by any means, but if you had a gun in my head, I'd say they finish a season. Um, a lot may disagree with me, 
But well, it's one of those things where the news came out this week that Rob Manfred said that, you know, we're going to stop the season if this shit keeps going on and teams need to do a better job and we need to be leaders in enforcing the Corona outbreak and stopping this. And everyone's like flipping out because like these guys just want to play. And it's such a tease to play, I don't know, two weeks worth of games and be like, nope, we're going to cancel it. And then two days later, after getting so much hate, he's like, well, I'm not a quitter, and there's no reason to stop the season. I'm just saying that, like, we need to do better. He's like fucking Fauci. You He's were like the, Fauci. You were the fucking leader. Like, it's literally like the verbal, me- verbal meme of the small brain saying, like, we need to stop COVID. The bigger brain saying, we need a leader to stop COVID. And then the biggest brain being like, I am the leader to stop COVID in baseball. Like, do your fucking <laughs> job. Do your job. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Pray that we get that season in. That's all I'm saying. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. This guy is a moron. Um, that's it for the Beers Business and Ball segment, but we've got a great interview uh, with Fred Siegel. He is the owner of Freezing Cold Takes. Cold t- or, uh, old takes exposed, I should say. And then I think sports ref, uh, like bad, bad ref calls or something. He says it in the interview. So uh, we will leave it. We will leave you to it rather and here is our interview with fred siegel freezing cold takes folks we have today for episode 16 uh fred siegel or also known as freezing cold takes on social media lawyer by day and exposing cold takes by night fred how you doing great great and no longer i I don't really practice anymore (laughs) perfect yeah yeah i don't really practice anymore it's been like two years Awesome. So yeah, they're just a full-time take exposer pretty much at this point. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, you could say that. Uh, I I do a lot of other stuff though. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm with my kids all the time, especially now. So I'm with them 24 hours a day now, but I, I do all those kids stuff. like pick them up from school, take them to school, take them to camp, take them all the places. But then I also, I'm also doing like work for different companies and social media. Um, kind of just uh you know helping with their with their social sites so i run a lot of different accounts cool yeah and uh so that's that's uh in business from a business side sometimes it's corporate it's not like exciting um it's not like necessarily uh fun posts more informative more uh educational exactly but otherwise it's not like sports stuff yeah but going into our first question, I mean, so who is Fred Siegel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that question. He, you know, I'm just a regular – I'm a regular guy. I grew up in South Florida. I grew up in North Miami. And I, uh, I, I went to the University of Florida. I graduated law school in 2007 um, at Nova Southeastern University, which is in Fort Lauderdale area. And um, I became a healthcare transactional attorney for eight years. Um, I was at a law firm, one of those big law firms in South Florida, billing hours all the time, working 10 hours a day. And then uh, in November 2015, I think, is when I started Freezing Cold Takes account, but it was just for fun. Like, I wasn't doing it. I was doing it to troll, you know, sports media. It's not even a hobby just to do it. I mean, maybe the first couple of weeks I did it, or week I did it, I, was, I didn't know if I was going to continue doing it. I was just doing it for fun for that particular week but people really liked it it took off and started you know i started kind of just uh going with it 
from for my for the next two years, two two and a half three years. Um, I was doing a law. I, I was a lawyer, but I also uh, and then I just decided I didn't want to continue doing being an attorney. And I mean, it, it had been going that way for a long time. I didn't really enjoy it, so you, know, you don't make those decisions lightly. But um, you take you take you like years. If you have a family, it takes you like years to make those decisions. And I I stopped, and I kind of started creating a bunch of other accounts and kind of just promoting different material, um, you know, making money that way uh, on various different platforms, a lot on Instagram too. And then uh, now I'm doing work, social media work. So, um, but other than that, I, I work significantly less um, than I do as an attorney, or at least, you know, it's different because you're on, you're kind of thinking about it all day long always so it's always in your mind uh you could always use it do it at any time of the day but you're just not doing as much work i can do a lot of other things so that's where i'm at now um the feed's grown a lot in five years uh so <laughs> it's um it's done it's an it, i'm you know that that's where i'm kind of doing now i like being with my family um when you're when you're with your family and you're doing a lot of different things to help out, you know, keep everything going. You know, my wife's an attorney too. I met her in law school, so she works really hard. And when you're doing all that, um, it's hard to do a lot of other things. So at this time, it's like, I'm happy where I'm at. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, we were ecstatic to have you because I've been following your account for years and mm. I love the content you produce. And we have some questions about that later on in the interview. But you talked about how you were just wanted to, you know, troll the different sports media sites. Like, how did you come up with the idea and how did you grow the brand on social media so successfully? But you want, you know, like there's a lot of different things I could have done if I knew it was going to be bigger at the time. Uh, first of all, I got I, freezing cold takes. Um, freezing cold takes and old takes exposed. I have my name. What, what I started to do was I just decided, hey, I'm going to do it. It took me a long time. But here's the thing. Sports reporters always patting themselves in the back when they get something right. And they weren't, they never would admit they were wrong. And I, as sports fans, we always remember what a reporter says, or even like one of those TV person I say about your own team. You never forget it. They probably forget it because they say a lot of different things. But you know, like if someone says that, you know, um, I don't really think much of Iowa football this year in passing, uh, like say Joel Klatt says that on like a show, on like a pregame show, every Iowa football fan will remember it forever. And if they win the Big Ten, and they'll all remember to throw it right back in my face on the clips. So I remember that. So, so I would, one time a reporter was like, just like I said last week, this happened. Yeah. This 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 asshole gets everything wrong. I remember him last time. <laughs> so so I just decided to make the feed. But I started. I wanted to do freezing cold takes. I wanted to do like a, uh, uh, a just an opposite of a hot take. Like opposite. I don't know why I thought of it that way, but I, I said freezing cold takes. And um, and so I someone had it on social. So I, I named it freezing cold takes, but I also put old takes exposed. I said, 
just because like, okay, old takes, exposed. I probably messed around with a little bit with all the different ones I could use. And that's what happened. So it didn't mesh already at the beginning. If I knew that, I would have kept the same name as the handle and the name. But once it got big, people were tagging me as old takes exposed. So I was just like, I'm, I'm going to keep it the way it is. But the brand just grew because it was different. And I guess the name freezing cold takes, like it's, I guess, synonymous with my, my feed. And um, I think it just grew because there was no one else doing it at the time. And at that particular period of time, there was no particular, there was no like one particular account that kind of just did everything with, in relation to that. Um, and it wasn't as easy to find all the tweets and stuff back then. So, I mean, now people do it a lot more, but back then it just was, was a little more novelty. So I did it and, uh, and it grew pretty fast because Sports Illustrated picked up on it pretty quickly um, and wrote an article about it. And then once that happened, like two months later, it became a really big feed. So you got this really immense following right and obviously that's just from all the content you're putting out retweeting the old takes and all that good stuff so in the age of social media now th this has to have changed your strategy pretty significantly from when you started this years ago so that being said do you kind of have a direction of where you want to go next and maybe what kind of content you're going to produce or have we not maybe thought too much about mm -hmm. that at this point well not necessarily with the feed. I don't, I don't necessarily want to kind of change the feed that much. I get a lot of, I get a lot of comments about uh, you should do something different with the feed or, but I, I think that there's certain things I do within the feed that have changed a lot since I started. Um, I think that the standards have been, are a lot higher in terms of what I'm going to post. Um, not just in, not just when thinking about, uh, the type of person who, who, who makes the, the take, but really what, what we're talking about, what games we're talking about, what sport. So like when I first started, as I would do, I would maybe post anything, something that happened in like a Iowa versus Illinois college basketball game, regular season, that may not even fit the billing this now because it's very niche still. Uh, um, there's certain people I won't use as much as others, but in terms of the feed, I, I just, you know, I've done, there's a lot of different things I've tried and, and I just think it, the way it is now, if you mess with it too much, it kind of just, it kind of ruins the feed. Like it, it's, it's too much. So I like to keep kind of the same, the same spirit of it within. And I think people really appreciate that. I think if there's, there's a lot of people who do these type of things and I mean, maybe they do it with their own team or they do it with people who are, are easy to do it to. And I think um, that gets, that gets old pretty quickly. Now, I, obviously there's, there, there's so many people, I get so many replies about how my shtick has gotten old, but I mean, you get that all the time on Twitter. It's really not nice place, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think within the spirit of the feed, I think, um, there's a standard to, to kind of keep and just keep it going. Uh, I, I don't, the, the better, the best thing that possibly you could do is the only thing that really would be, it would be just to monitor. You can make, 
you can be really, really cause a lot of problems for people if you monitor what they say all the time in every show. So you can really catch them. Um, you know, you know the Mike Francesa guy back <laughs> after this, and I know I talk to him all the time out on the direct messages, but he he's able to. It's sort of unfair to Francesa, not that unfair because he does he did it to himself, but he's able to he listens to every word of the show and he and then he records what he said before nobody does that with any other commentator not even cowherd or bayless so and if you do that to anybody you could find things where they are saying stuff that they're going to contradict each other a lot yeah the funhouse guy is right on he is and, right. and, and, and he he also starts to listen and he and he's able Nobody listens to Francesca's show. Nobody listens to his show. Besides <laughs> yeah. the people in New York, like on in the car. So nobody would see any of that stuff. Nobody would ever hear it if it wasn't for him. There's no one else who does it. Um, as opposed to a guy like Cowherd, where they record, where, where Fox Sports is actively promoting everything he says on Twitter. It's not that way with other people. But if you were listening to, if we, had, if I had a network of people listening to all the different shows at all times, that would be an amazing thing. Um, but I, it, I don't really know, I don't really know how profitable it would eventually be because, but it would be, it would cause a lot of problems because that same guy, the back after this guy, and I give you an example. He was listening to, he was listening to um, NBC Sports Radio Boston, the Felger Naz show, right? And they had a conversation about Cam Newton. Cam Newton was coming to the Patriots, and he was saying that Bill Belichick's not going to want him to do the celebrations. He was saying it in a very provocative way. Um, Cam's celebrations are, are, are not good, or all that stuff. And people really get sensitive about that stuff. So nobody else besides the people listening to that show heard it. But back after this was listening to the whole show and posted it right away. And it became like a 24 hour cycle. It was talked about in all the ESPN shows, everything, there were articles on it. Now, you know, all that stuff dies down right away, but there, there could be a lot of that kind of stuff. Nobody would have seen that if it wasn't for back after this. It wouldn't even have gotten past the city of Boston. So. But, I know that, you know, we, we had this listed down for farther down, but I think let's, let's move it up here because it ties in nicely with what you're saying right now, Fred. There's a lot of guys in this industry that you like to clip up and, and roast, right? So Coward's one of them. You've got guys like Stephen A. That's pretty popular on the feed for sure. Is there anyone else? I know you just gave a great example like Francesa for sure, but is there anyone else that is in your notes that you know every time that they speak? Are going to push out a hot take well anytime these are the same people who i get tagged to 150 gazillion times every time they post something <laughs> or anytime <laughs> so maybe rightfully so maybe they earned it well they just i mean they've created a personality for themselves and and a lot of it's you know purposely done like uh they know how to play the game um but You've created something for themselves where they are people really just love to 
uh, get upset and post it. Nick Wright is one of them. If Nick Wright says anything, he gets, but his is a lot of promotion from his show. So it'll be like a, a clip from the, the Twitter account of his show. And it'll say one of his things he says, and then I'll tag, and I'll get 150 tags to that particular post. Um, so uh, Skip's one of them, Stephen A. Of course, Stephen A. gets so many. Those guys just really, uh, um, they really create uh, a lot of buzz. Cowherds, of course, too. Those guys. Um, they're the biggest guys. Francesa was one, but Francesa, you never really heard it when he made it. He only heard it after it was kind of done. Um, and his old, but, I mean, his old takes are just pretty much saying that he wants to retire every other month, and then he comes back. The, 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 that's gold enough as it is right there. The authentic huh? thing, Francesa is so authentic. That's what, that's what made his funnier. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's always a touch of, you know, inauthenticity from a lot of these other guys um, because the, they make a conscious effort to be um, relevant in radio because that's their job. If they didn't do it this way, they probably wouldn't have continued being on. They wouldn't get the ratings they get. So when you see Cowherd making his takes, makes a take and it's like it's very he he prolonged with all these different theories and he he says certain things and then he'll compare it to one different thing but it's like it's like always a big big um he makes some sort of declaration but his his entire he's kind of mixing in his theories about certain things and a lot of truth of what he believes, but there's also a lot of embellishment, exaggeration, and, and, and entertainment interest, create interesting radio value to it. So it's like to put on a show, because every time those guys do it, they put on a show. So they're putting on a show. So that, that's, that's kind of mixed in to their take. So there's a little bit of inauthenticity when you think about it. Everyone will say, oh, he's just doing that to cause a rise out of people. He's just doing it. It's certainly with Bayless, uh, uh, one could question if there's any authenticity. And then there's, um, you know, same with Stephen A. But with Francesa, it's all authentic. I mean, he just says all these things. He never cared, because to, towards the end, he never cared whether his show was getting ratings. It was very apparent. He didn't do any preparation whatsoever <laughs> for the show. Um, a lot of his show was just him reading off the phone statistics. Um, so, so when he did it, it was like, it's real. It's like, it's like, you're not, he's going you don't say the thing. Well, he's just saying that just to, just to create ratings. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, what's funny about him. So yeah. one thing that I've always been interested in about your accounts is how far back you have in like archives and histories. So how do you keep track of different takes that happened, let's say, five years ago? I don't. It's a myth. <laughs> and whenever I put the check mark, that's really kind of just a draw. draw. It's just an engagement type thing. 
So yeah. are you relying pretty much on just like the reactive things then for people to rebump it to your timeline and say, oh, hey, yeah. you know, here it yeah, is. Well, now it's, but if something, if something happened, there, there are times um, where I'll save them, but if, if it has to be like really close in advance. So uh, if there's a game where, if there's a game where like a team started out and they were winning by a lot and everyone was saying all these things and then they start to, they start to blow the lead uh at that point i'll try to look back at different tweets and people start tagging me and then i'll i'll put i'll put those in my bookmarks but uh and but that's just for like the, now um but when it comes to people being higher yeah i get bumped up i'll go back to the date and use the search term so you kind of go back and look back at the date so if a coach gets fired you can find the date they were hired by just like looking up on google an article that's a good one. And then you go back and you search the tweets from that date. And then you find, you, you pick, you put their name in the coach. Um, and, and it was, it's, then you'll see like great hire, great hire. Uh, and a lot of stuff like that. You could, you can do research. Now it, it's much easier when it's a, a playoff series, like NBA playoffs is the easiest. Because there's so many games in between. So as you get, so if it's three, if it's three one um, Warriors in 2016, right? When it got to be three three, there was still two days until the next game, maybe two or three days. That's ample time for me to get every single possible tweet declaring the Warriors winners of the series. So when it came down to it, that's a save. Like that's easy. You have all this time to prepare. Baseball games are good too. Playoff baseball, World Series baseball. Because the things that happen at the beginning of the game could change a lot. And you have so much time between pitch, in between innings, that really kind of messes it. Um, and then other games are faster. But, uh, but that's the type of stuff that, uh, yeah, it's, it's a myth. I don't save, I don't really save anything. So if, uh, if, if, if people think that I have a big archive, I don't have time to do that. It's, it's a lot of work to do that. Uh, so that being said, then, what is offhand that you know, that you just know in your mind, the worst take that you've seen or published about on your phone? Yeah. The worst take I've seen. What's wrong with you? I mean, the, the one that really gets the rise out of everyone is when, and it's probably, it's probably one of the first ones I've ever posted. I remembered it before I even started doing this. It was Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers was, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers was picked in 2005. He became the Packers quarterback around May or, or April, April of 2000 or March. I think it was maybe March of 2008. Brett Favre retired. He did like a retirement. Um, he ended up being traded to the Jets later on. But at that point, Rodgers, who was the backup for three years, was, became the quarterback. But he wasn't thought of as a lock. And people were very skeptical about whether he was going to be good or not. He'd never, he played like one game fully. Um, so in the second round of the draft that year in 2008, they picked another quarterback. His name was Brian Brom. He was quarterback out of Louisville. His brother is now the head coach of 
Purdue and Brian Brom is the offensive coordinator. Well, he was really good at Louisville. Um, and he was picked and they went back to like the studio in, in ESPN studio to talk about the picks. Uh, it, it wasn't like the main people. It was Todd McShay, Merrill Hodge, Reese Davis. And Reese Davis ta- asked them about what are they going to do? They got Aaron Rodgers. So what do you think of this guy's chances? And then uh, McShay and both Hodge said, I like him better than Aaron Rodgers. I think Brian and Todd McShay looks right in the camera. And says, I think Brian Brom has more upside than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like McShay. <laughs> it, always, it always gets a big – it's crazy about stuff. That, so when – and Brom was – his career was not good. And he, he didn't even last one he, – he, he got cut after the first season. And for a second-round pick, that's must have been pretty bad there after the Packers. He didn't even win the second-string job. They picked Matt Flynn in the seventh round. Matt Flynn beat out Brom for the second quarterback. Brom was the third string and got cut. Um, <laughs> so it, it, he was really bad in the second-round pick. Uh, so, so that's really the main one that really is. And it's NFL. Anything NFL is going to get the most – uh, action. Gotcha. So have you had any of your own takes be completely off the mark? I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of takes, like a lot in my head. I mean, a lot of things, maybe I've <laughs> talked to my dad on text. I've never been really been the type of tweet that much. So, um, but I've had people go through my stuff and end up retweeting some things that I remember doing. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm as wrong as the next guy. I don't know anything. Uh, especially certain sports. Gotcha. And another thing that I was interested in, I saw your tweet the other day about Jamal Adams. Um, mm-hmm. Someone said, like, they quoted his tweet saying he wanted to be a Seahawk for life. Um, but his, his words were, my plan. And someone, mm-hmm. a lot of people were tagging you saying like, you know, save this tweet, save this tweet and stuff. But you said that it was null for future roasting because he used the words, my plan. Um, <laughs> what other words kind of trigger that? Oh, they can't really be used further back or further on in the future as an old take to be exposed. Well, well, those are pure coach player speak. I mean, those people are trained to say that stuff, especially coaches. Uh, take a coach who the I plan thing means nothing. It's just a way to say things to be positive without promising. The whole purpose of it is not promising. It'll be there forever. So how could that be an old take exposed? If they, he did that specifically not to promise now, coaches do that all the time. Uh, a, a coach, if you take ultimate examples, college football, when you take a coach who's at a, who's having a lot of success at a lower level school and he knows he's going to get a lot of action um after the season's over a lot of attention but he doesn't want to say like oh yeah i have i have complete intention to try to look for a bigger job like he says i plan i plan to be here for a long time i plan yeah it's just like <laughs> my sights Fair enough. Have, yeah so so it's like the players do that too and, and, um i think a lot of it is uh uh 
they're likely to likely to I, I think he's likely to go to this team uh, I he could end up here uh, stuff like that anything that's really kind of you see that that person is kind of trying to not really fully in all in um, they're not being a hundred percent sure you're not you just don't you don't use that uh, but those same people who do that they're not as they don't really get it garner as much respect because they're not willing to go out and live so it's a fair analysis so it's so uh yeah so in mean, like it, it, the tamer it is the worse it's going to be on the feed like it work they're not going to get a bunch of action and then they're going to get a lot of people replying the really pedantic people Replying like, well, I didn't say that uh, <laughs> good, so it doesn't really like it tell you to suck the life out of the feed. That blankets. So uh, that's Twitter. You try to avoid it. You try, <laughs> you know, I mean, I like to. I usually mute the conversations pretty quickly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, it, it's 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 those type of things. Um, the I plan language, any type of coach speak when you you've been watching for years and you realize if you're honest with yourself that it means nothing what the coach says. So, um, and you'll see it a lot. The most you see it is coaches at the end of a college football season. Any yeah. type of coach is going to get any attention from anywhere. Any type of uh, this, You look at Lincoln Riley every year. <laughs> you know he's going to take calls from the NFL. Um, and he, he, he's going to say all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So as we move along here, we're going to do something kind of rapid fire mm-hmm. and here with Fred Siegel from freezing cold takes. So we thought it would be appropriate to do the hot takes of 2020. We're going to go through and you just, we'll, we'll keep it real quick one by one. And you just, in your candid, humble opinion, legit or cold. Right. Cool. Everyone on the same page. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. So first one here, the Knicks just hired Tom Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. First take is that they draft Lamelo and make the playoffs the next full season. Legit or cold? Uh, so is it like legit, meaning like you? I think it's going to end up being cold, right? Like a no. So legit take, meaning you know that that's there's some merit to it, or it's just cold, like freezing cold. Uh, no, I think it's cold. I mean, I, I uh, first of all, they have to get Lamelo, so that's there's going to be a lottery, right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. I, I, don't think they... I don't know if he's going to be number one overall. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> no one really knows. First of all, it's no one t- really he's knows. He's going to be a lottery pick, but 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 even so, like Lamelo, how many people think like picking Lamelo is going to be that within itself is going to be generate a lot of takes of whether he's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And most players they pick in the top five at least. I mean, there's a certain faction of players they pick in the top five. Everybody thinks they're going to be good, like. Zion, but I don't think Lamelo has that mm-hmm. stigma to him. All right, cold. Next one: Tom Brady's Bucks will win the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Cold. <laughs> no one blames you. <laughs> yeah. Next one is Trevor Lawrence becomes the rightful heir to the throne in New England after a disaster season with Cam Newton and Jared Stidham. Legit or cold? I mean, it makes maybe they probably want him. Uh, it, this is these are these are look, these are two prong questions. 
See, I stid them automatically. Yeah. No, I think it's cold. I mean, I don't think they're going to be that bad. So I, yeah. I, if it starts out bad, I could see the tank immediately being light switch being up because he he'll want he'll want Trevor. But tanking's tough. I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan, and they oh. they blew it. I mean, like it's tough because there was a lot there was a lot of improvement with the team as the team was going along. You you just can't. You can't suck that out. And then they were winning games. And, like, what are you going to do? You can't just kind of just pull the plug on the winning. Like, there was getting proven. So, they ended up winning too many games. And we'll talk about your sports fandom after the takes. Um, the next one, though, we have the Astros silence, the haters, and the trash banging, and win the World Series in 2020. Uh, hard to win the world series uh it's a lot easier when you cheat yeah <laughs> I, I do question i do question the uh, a lot uh, i'm trying to question like you know how much really went into that like how much that really gave them in terms of it seemed very sophisticated but uh um these are very i mean i say cold I mean, you're picking a team that's gonna win the world series <laughs> And these are very, very – they're very narrow picks. So it's easy to say cold. Yeah. We never know. You never know if there's a legit one in there. We're trying to – There could be. I mean, right? out of all of these, yeah. I'm sure. So we'll move on out of business. Tesla stock hits $2,000 per share by the end of quarter three. I, I, yeah. I don't know anything about stocks. Like, I Fair enough. Do, yeah, yeah. So uh, – so to give you an idea, it started off a couple of months ago at 900 bucks, and they've been teetering in between 15 and 1600. They hit 1800 a couple of weeks ago. Well, yeah, I, today I posted a Tesla. This one guy DM'd me one about <laughs> Tesla. There was someone from like 2018 who said that uh, you know, GM is more a better stock than Tesla. But oh, geez, yeah. so, <laughs> that's a freezing so, take. There you yeah, go. so I posted it. He convinced me to post it. But I don't really know anything about stocks, but I got a lot of pushback on the reply that Tesla's like a fraud. It's volatile. This is a fluke. Stuff like that. Um, so you, it could still be cold later. Uh, I didn't know any of that because I don't really know anything about. I don't really do stocks. So um, I'd say, I'd say, uh, is that like, is that like a hail mary? What you're asking? Not, I wouldn't say a Hail Mary. I think it's possible. We've debated this on the show for quite a bit if it gets to 2000 though. So, I mean, it's, it could happen. It could not. Yeah. Let's say cold, cold. You can't say this far in trajectory for too long in anything. And our last one, uh, Fred Siegel becomes chief of takes for U.S. government in 2028. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's not zero percent. <laughs> The government doesn't want me. <laughs> you got to. No, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> but, oh God. Uh, uh, 2028. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's far uh, enough out where we avoid all this nonsense going on. I think, but. <laughs> yeah. Better. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's too much. That, that that there's no chance of me ever seeing. I don't even know what that is. What is? It? it's case. it's a made-up title oh, oh, made chief up of title. takes oh okay chief of takes well i mean it's hyper See, maybe you could see that that's it's a new new title specifically for you chief of take research so um, if if a united states government member approached you and let's forget the politics and you know what affiliation or whatnot but 
2028, they're like, we need a chief of takes. Mm-hmm. And you just get to do this for the U.S. government full time. I don't know in what capacity, but do you take that job? What? Yeah, I probably. What does the job entail? Like, uh, do I have to go there every day? No, um, work from home. We have to move to Washington. Yeah, it's work from DC. home. Um, yeah, if it's work from home, I could see myself taking that job. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's probably going to be decent pay, good, really good insurance um, benefits, a lot of just researching crap. Um, probably I mean the research will be very interesting because I'll have access to all to the greatest to the best archives and the best um, technology to search anything that's possible and I'll probably be able to search um, use uh, probably to search things that we're not supposed to like all the illegal stuff tracking people like uh, probably be on the inside of that too they're probably able to get (laughs) <laughs> so we're officially five cold takes and one legit take. I think that's what we've got from this, right? Very narrow, your takes. I mean, like, they you are. Know, they you are. Pick the Astros to win the World Series. It's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, for disclosure, I'm not sure that this is all what we believe. I don't really think I'm, I'm probably no, on this your is side just, in the sense that I don't. takes on yeah. the internet right now. Yeah. But, so that was just the hot takes of 2020, and thank you for participating with that. But you mentioned that you're a Dolphins fan and you said that you attended University of Florida. So are you mostly a sports fan? And if so, which teams? Yeah, sports. Oh, every, any team in South Florida, so Dolphins. I mean, grew up, grew up, grew up Dolphins. Um, I grew up about 10 minutes from that stadium. So I used to go to the games a lot. Marlins. And we love the Marlins, um, my group of friends and I. I mean, there's not that many Marlins people anymore. But uh, we had a lot of fun with that team and in the in my sports life I think the 2003 playoffs were probably the greatest one of the greatest experiences going through that entire playoff run to win the World Series I think that um, with the Marlins we used to go to the games for get like four dollar tickets and you wouldn't have to pay for parking if you go in the second inning and four dollar tickets to the tickets all the way up there, but, you, but there are four thousand people there, so you go all the way down. So you you pay four dollars to go to a baseball game, get in really easily. The game's over, you leave really easily. Greatest experience. Um, but uh, you know, University of Florida is my biggest passion. So um, University of Florida football, University of Florida basketball are the two. I used to go to every basketball game and football game, but basketball games were our, were our great. Because there were a lot of games, and there were a lot of, like our great experiences when you yell. We had a great, a great home court advantage at the University of Florida. We were right on top of the floor. They changed it now. They changed the arena. But uh, back then, it was really fun. I mean, we used to go to all the games. I was there from 99 to 2003. So we made the championship my freshman year, uh, the NCAA championship. It was a great season. We had Udonis Haslam. We had uh, Mike Miller, um, Brett Nelson, Teddy Dupay. Um, so we had a lot of those guys. And uh, by the time my junior year, we had Matt Walsh. We had Haslam was a senior. We had David Lee. So, I mean, like, we had, we had a lot of great guys going in. Um, but our, my freshman year, we made the championship. It was, it was really fun. Um, but those games were the most fun. 
That's incredible. I'm just getting flashbacks to like Scotty Wilbekin because that's when we grew up. Scotty Wilbuck. <laughs> yeah, Scott, Scotty Wilbekin had one of the greatest seasons in the history of the University of Florida basketball. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, he and sick. he he was unbelievable. I mean, we went undefeated. We went undefeated <clears throat> in conference, including the conference tournament that season. Um, and Wilbekin was just on. He was so good. I mean, we had made in the Final Four that year. We had. Uh, um, I forget UConn beat them, right? UConn beat them, and, and 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 that team was the official. They were all seniors, pretty much all seniors, except we had one junior. St- we had one sophomore starter. Yeah, that was really it for UF at that point. Well, yeah, we we had a bunch of players who weren't NBA players, just like leadership. So we Kentucky, and they had they struggled a lot that year, but they ended up making the finals but they struggled a lot throughout the course of the year. They ended up being a nine seed in the tournament or something like that. And, uh, and they played us really well in the conference championship game in the SEC tournament. We beat them. And um, Kentucky had like the NBA players, the, the one and done guys. They had, uh, what's the guy, Young, who uh, went to the Pistons, I think it was, or the Celtics. Um, they had... And all the, they had those guys. They had uh, Julius Randle, um, those type of guys. Uh, I think Willie Cauley-Stein. So, um, so we played them in Rupp in like January, February, and we, we crushed them. And they showed, they showed like, and all of our players weren't NBA players. So they, they, most of their players had a lot better futures. But they showed like their players versus our players in size, and our players were so much stronger because they had been there four years doing all the workouts and everything. So w- when we had that, and then we had like played great defense and all fundamentals, we were just better than them in a lot of ways in just basketball, and that's why you see a lot of these teams who are um, like. You see a lot of these senior-laden teams from, like, Sam Houston State or whatever in the NCAA tournament beat the better talented yeah. team because they, they've been there for a long time. They're more fundamentally – and they're bigger. They're stronger. Like, they have – they're four years stronger, not just in size, but, like, just like strength, just strength, but, like, you know, stamina and all that stuff. Um, that's what UF right. was. They were so good, and they played such good defense. I, mean, yeah. I love that team. Love oh, that we team. could do we could do a full episode just about college basketball with you, of course. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott was great. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. But yeah. um, but yeah, as we start to wrap up here, uh, we'll have a couple of quick points. Um, what advice do you have for people that might be in the same situation as you that have a really popular and good social media brand and um? concept i guess that are balancing their their work lives they have jobs they have families like you have and they also want to grow this concept and brands do you have any advice for how you've been managing it well you got to be consistent so you gotta find some way to be consistent you got sometimes you can plan ahead but i think if you really want to grow if you really want to grow it um bigger uh, it, it's it's going to be hard to do like be a full time work full time job and then grow it. Uh, um, for me, 
you know, I, I didn't do that much growing. Um, I didn't do that much effort to do something bigger. I probably could have tried to leverage, um, but I didn't. You know, I have a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff going on. So, but I mean, running a Twitter account is not necessarily something that you can't do while you're doing other something else. But if you if you really have something that you really want to grow, um, and you and you're you're working really hard in a regular job, um, you're either going to have to to do you're going to have to find a way to uh, delegate a lot of stuff you're doing or you're you're, you're just going to have to go for it yourself uh, because it's not going to grow um, with like one or two hours or three hours on the side uh, if you want to make it big so um, that's always a tough decision uh, in anything that you do it usually takes years like me I, I I didn't necessarily have goals in mind to create like a big empire. I just really wanted to spend more time with my family and be able to uh, do stop doing something that I really wasn't um, inspired by. But I mean, if you're young and you don't have a family, you really should consider um, making sure that you are doing something that you enjoy and inspires you and really kind of reflects you because if you get put in a spot where you're not doing that it's a whole and then you start you get married and you have kids it's, it's a hard hole to crawl out of um and people want to people want uh, people want people see other people doing other things and they think they're running out of time and all that stuff i mean if you're young you have a lot of time so uh um, that, that's really the best advice you do not want to be in a spot where you are um, you're really struggling with what you do and then you're stuck there. It, it seems practical and obvious now, but um, make sure you get into a relationship with somebody, the full-time commitment for the rest of your life with somebody who's going to appreciate whatever it is that you want to do and whatever kind of compensation you're going to make. So. <laughs> that yeah. could get in the way too those are all great yeah, points so, so thank yeah. you for sharing that and to close out where can the world find you uh not only with freezing cold takes but any other content that you're producing online well i have a, a freezing cold takes on instagram it's freezing cold takes i have old takes exposed on twitter i have freezing cold takes on uh facebook i don't even know if that has like an at you just type in freezing cold takes and um, um, and I have, I have a bunch of other accounts. I have, uh, I have, I do a sports clips account where I post clips from like the past, a certain day that occurs, um, this day in sports clips is it. I have it on Instagram and Twitter. That's a fun account. I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but besides just post stuff, but it's a, it's a good account. Um, I work with someone else for, I work with, um, Another person, we work on a couple of accounts. Like we have a bad sports refs account where we post like bad calls. And a lot uh, the past three four months, I've just been posting like old bad calls. But it's really good when there's a lot of sports going on. I just you just get tagged to it. We post all the calls that are going on in every different game. It's great on Sundays and Saturdays in the fall. And 
And so that's another one I have. That's just bad sports refs. So uh, that, that's enough for now. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else I have. No. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Fred Siegel from Freezing Cold Takes. I'm not even going to attempt to list that long uh, you know, plug that you just made for yourself on social media. Oh, yeah. so rewind it to go back if you need, folks. But, Fred, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us, and we uh, look forward to seeing what more freezing cold takes come out in the coming months and weeks. Stay safe. Thank you. And that was just Fred Siegel from Freezing Cold Takes. Interesting interview inside the mind of one of the biggest Twitter trolls in the history of sports. And it was really nice to talk to him and all of his perspectives from that. So, but next week we do have another great interview. And for those people who are from Bryant University listening to this, let's take you back in time to 2016, Mm. one of the hottest beverages in the market that people got absolutely sloshed with. We have the co-founder of Beatbox Beverages, Amy Stedman on the show. Uh, Gonna be a great interview. She talks about the beverage industry. She talks about her time on Shark Tank and just talk about the, like the beatbox overall. I mean, that is a drink that is deadly. It was delicious and we're really lucky to have her on the show. Yeah, that's what we thought we were going to have her on this week. Uh, Some scheduling issues. We had to move some things around and I alluded to it last week. So if you're expecting the women and alcohol guests, uh, you have to wait another week, but it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. We're super stoked for that interview and um, a lot more in the pipeline coming too. We've got some, some good guests that we've been uh, communicating with trying to work, uh, you know, their appearance on the show and should be fun folks. Should be real fun. If you or someone, you know, wants to hop on DM us, we're not going to say yes necessarily, but DM us. What do you have to lose? Um, Positivity corner before we wrap things up. Do you have anything for episode 16? Yes. So there was news going around that famous actor, Tim Allen, was dead. It was trending on Twitter that he was dead. The man that played Santa Claus in the Santa Claus series by Disney, the famous man from Home Improvement, the voice of Buzz Yeah, it was Lightyear. just Tim Taylor from Home Improvement. Yep. Literally, people said he was dead. And he came on Twitter and said, I'm not dead, but thanks for making me trending so people don't forget about me. But one of the things that went very overlooked on how active this guy was on Twitter is he made a tweet that said, if we evolved from primates, like apes, why are there still apes on the planet? Boom. Your mind is blown right now. When you said that to me yesterday, I was like, holy shit. I, I I see the angle, but like, it, it must be the simulation. It's One, a simulation. This world is a cake. <laughs> oh, imagine if this world was a cake. Like, we just cut each other in half. Like, my phone looks like a cake right now as I'm recording. <laughs> my microphone could be a cake. Like, just cut in half with some marble frosting or some shit. I would eat it. Uh, I, I love Tim Allen. He's such a, he's a troll for sure. Uh, he pisses a lot of people off. Um, but I, I love the guy. I grew up watching Home Improvement. So um, good stuff. That is episode 16 of Beers, Business, and Balls. You know where to find us, folks. Uh, 
the.bbb.podcast on Instagram and the underscore BBB underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, House-enterprise.com backslash the hyphen blog. That is where you will find all of the new stuff. You will find Frosty Boy Fridays on there from Ryan Denson, the Boston Beer Guy. You will find some beer analysis, some hockey analysis. Um, you know, I finally made that elusive first post uh, on the blog and you'll have more coming from all of us for sure. Um, there's a beer you want Ryan and everyone else to review. Then again, DM us, uh, let us know what you think, but we're a content cranking machine folks. We're, we're a nice, well-oiled machine. We'll be coming for your timeline soon. That's all we have today. You have anything you want to add, Tondo? Or we did we cut check all the boxes here? Boxes were checked. Boxes were that checked. Is, so that's it for us. Thank you for listening. Again, Amy Stedman, co-founder of Beatbox Beverages next week. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.